Well, look at somebody next to you say, I'm glad you made it today. Hallelujah. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Got good, got good sounding folks over here, about three people. The rest of y'all mad. <laughs> it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. How many just felt the presence of God already in the service today? I'm telling you, that after that last worship song, we could have said amen and went home and I'd have been fine. I'd have been fine. I felt the presence of the Lord in this place today so, so strong. I know God is at work. God's doing some major things. I mean, you know that the earth, the earth has not been surrendered to the enemy. Huh? The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God has never created anything and turned it over to the devil, including our own life. Amen. So if God is still in control of the earth, I believe that the earth is in a major setup for a revival, for a move of God. Come on, I need to get some amens in the house. I believe that God is at work. I mean, you know that 2020 has been a challenging year. All those guys that started out preaching 2020, the year of perfect vision, they got to revamp their messages. It's a year of messed up vision is what it is. Hallelujah. But you know, in the midst of it all, God's been good. God's been good. He's been good in all of the challenges that we face from COVID-19 to the unrest, the civil unrest, everything that's going on, the racial tension that's happening. The, uh, you know, 40% of our church is not here. And they hadn't been here since March. And when people don't come, they don't give. So how does the church stay sustained? It takes the hand of the Lord. But God does supernatural things in the midst of all that. Amen. So it's been a challenging year. I know uh, we just had a funeral here yesterday for uh, Monique Greaves. Her, her mother passed away. And uh, uh, Janae's grandmother passed away a few, uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Jose Juarez's mother passed away. Uh, my Aunt Jeanette passed away in January. My wife's mother passed away in March. My dad passed away a couple weeks ago. What do you do when everything is just collapsing all around you? You find how to praise God in the midst of all the craziness. You find out that God is still God even in the midst of uncontrollable circumstances. Amen. And, and I just heard a report last night. Uh, many of you know uh, Lance Raymer. He's been a part of our city for many, many years. Been a part of our city. He died suddenly yesterday. We just need to continue to pray for his family and things. But, you know, in the midst of everything that is going on, there has to be a church that knows how to tap into the presence of the Lord and say, in spite of what I'm going through, he's still worthy of all my praise. In spite of what I'm feeling right now, he's still worthy of all my praise. And sometimes you have to praise him on credit because your emotional realm can't wrap itself around it. So sometimes you just have to praise God because he's always been good. He's never been bad. He's always been a good God. Amen. And I just believe that God is setting this house up for what I believe will be major moves of God even here in the Glades region. Amen. Come on, I'm going to find somebody to preach to in a minute. You got to get your amen back. You got to put a yes back in your spirit. You've been quarantined way too long. I said it last Sunday, this church has to come out of this funk that it's been in. You got to put a yes back in your spirit and a no back to the devil and say, my God is alive. Yes, Hallelujah. 
So we're just trusting God. I know everything is crazy right now, but God is still on the throne. And even in the midst of all that, we're going to see the hand of God move like we've never seen before. I'm not giving up. Hallelujah. I believe that the best is yet to come. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet and grab your Bibles this morning. Y'all got some room in you for a little bit of word today? Got one amen behind me. Thank you, Pastor Porter. I'm glad you're with me. I don't know where everybody's at today, but hopefully we'll find them somewhere down the line. I want to go to Judges, Judges chapter 6. If you, didn't, if you weren't here last Sunday, Pastor Carlos preached last Sunday on the ecclesia. Talked about the church and the role of the church, even in culture. The reason why the earth is hiccuping like it is so much is because the devil knows he's on borrowed time. And there's a remnant rising in the earth that says we about had enough of this stuff. Judges chapter 6. Is it okay if I read a little bit of the word today? Is that all right? It's good to come to church and read the Bible. <laughs> it's good to read the Bible anytime, especially at church. Judges chapter 6, very familiar story, talks about the story of Gideon. Judges chapter 6, verse number 1 says, And then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them over into the hands of Midian for seven years. And the power of Midian prevailed against Israel because of Midian, the sons of Israel, made for themselves dens which were in the mountains and caves and the strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come in with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. And they would come against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, and they would leave no sustenance in Israel, as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would come in like locusts for number. Both they and their camels were innumerable, and they came into the land to devastate it. Sounds like 2020. So Israel, the people of God, had been brought very low because of Midian. And the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. Now, it came about when the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of Midian. Notice that when they hit their low place, they begin to cry out to God. What you say in your low place determines what the next move in your life is going to look like. Look with me in verse number 11. And then the angel of the Lord came and he said unto the oak that was in uh, Oprah, Oprah, Oprah Winfrey, which belonged to Joash the Abizurite as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. One translation says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord looked at him and said, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. For, I have, not, for have I not sent you? 
And he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Cluston, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one or as one man. I want to show you one more passage of Scripture for reading purposes for a text this morning. Go with me to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number three. And we're going to try to tie it all together here in a minute. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there's an appointed time for everything. And there's a time for every event under heaven. And then it goes on, if you're looking in your Bible, it says a time to give birth, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to mourn. It just goes on talking about, talking about a time for everything. Verse number 11, he has made everything appropriate in its time. One translation says he has made everything beautiful in its time. There's an appointed time for everything. Everything has a time. This is what I heard the Lord say, and this is what I'm going to kick off today. We'll see how far we get. Part of the challenge that I have as a pastor is to know how to navigate apostolic, apostolically what God is saying, prophetically what God is doing, and pastorally what God wants to do in the lives of individuals. And I feel today that because of the current conditions that we are surrounded, our, uh, surrounded by in the world in which we live, there comes a point in time where every preacher has to understand you don't preach to where people are, you preach to where they need to be. And, and that's, a, that's a hard road to navigate apostolically, prophetically, and pastorally because there's a whole bunch of different phases and levels of people in this congregation today and another thousand that are watching by line. So you got to know how to navigate what God is saying. And I felt like in my spirit that God had said something to me. And I want to use this title as my message today. Every generation has a time. Every generation has a time. I just want to prophesy to you today, it's our time. It's our time. This generation has a time, and we're not about to give up nothing that God has already promised us. Turn around and high-five about three people and tell them it's your time. It's your time. It's your time. Come on, put an amen up in there. Tell them it's your time in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every generation has a time. I believe God is saying something to us in this hour. Dakota, if you could, somebody back there, would you just give me a little bit more monitor, please? I'm just a little weak right here. Father, we thank you this morning for what you're going to do in this place. Lord, I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that's already present, that's already been moving, touching people's lives even in the midst of worship today. Lord, I thank you that you can rest upon us like Pastor Mark was saying. Lord, there is a place for you to land, land in our hearts, move in our hearts, move in our lives today. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in this place today. I bind every distracting spirit. I bind every thought that's wandering now. 
Lord, bring it back to captivity, to the obedience of Christ. Lord, do something in our midst. Let today begin a new day in so many of our lives. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do, and we give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. 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 God bless you this morning. Thank you. You can be seated. How many of you know that um, every spirit seeks expression in the material world in order to exert its influence? Every spirit, good or bad, every spirit is looking to influence the material world. And when the spirit finds agreement, it then begins to give expression in the material world that begins to affect and eventually shapes what we call culture. Until agreement is made, just give me a few moments to line all this up today, but until agreement is made, that spirit or those spirits are relegated to the realm of thought. Those spirits are relegated to the realm of theory or philosophy. Those spirits are only relegated to the realm of feelings. But its desire is to move from something that is a concept to something that is concrete. Every spirit seeks expression in the material world. And when you have a receptivity or even a passivity towards these expressions, it begins to create a climate by which the spiritual influences become contagious because people become affected by what's happening in the material world that's been influenced by something that's happening in the spiritual world. You can't see the spiritual world, so that don't bother you. But you can see the material world, that affects you. But, the, but, the, the, but what's happening in the material world is only a reflection of what's going on in the spiritual world. I'm going somewhere, just keep tracking with me. So over time, these things become contagious and people begin to agree with it, cooperate with it, and then there's manifestation. Then over time, as it's sustained, value systems are created. Philosophies, schools of thought are developed, and they become like a walled city, and the intent of the principalities and powers become manifested, and these walled cities that they have began to build and develop called strongholds, they, they begin to formulate and fortify themselves in a territory for the greater good to influence it, good or bad. Good or bad. Good or bad. The material world is an expression of some spirit that's influencing it, good or bad. This becomes known as culture. This is a working definition for you if you want to take notes. Culture is the totality of socially transmitted behavior patterns. It's a belief system, a value system. It's attitudes and all other products of human work and thought. That's what a culture is. A culture is a reflection of what's influencing it. Hmm. Y'all tight today. Y'all going to make me work and sweat, and I ain't even got started yet. If we don't like the culture that we're in, 
You can't wait, Pastor Carlos said, you can't wait on politicians to change it. If you're putting all your eggs in November, you are missing the point of the ecclesia. Because God never turned the earth over to politicians. God never turned society over to politicians. Now I know we have to vote and we have to vote kingdom. We have to vote in line with holiness and righteousness. And I'm not taking nothing away from the power of your vote. But I am saying there's a higher power than your vote. And, and until the church begins to understand that if the culture that we're in is not lined up or conducent with the way thing God wants it to be, then somebody in the church has to lift their voice and begin to influence culture to a greater degree. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 12. Matthew 12, 43 says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it goes through dry places and it seeks rest. Somebody shout rest. Here it is. Unclean spirits, unclean powers want to be normalized. They want to remain unchallenged. Demons do not like to be challenged. Principalities and powers do not like to be challenged. They like to stay hidden in the realm of thought and theory to influence something in the material world until the material world looks like the realm of thought and theory in the spirit world, and it begins to manifest. And then they begin to hide behind the very walls or the laws that they created so nobody can touch them. I'm going to preach in a minute. The way that works culturally in societies is that those spirits begin to set themselves in places and they begin to influence the leaders and they begin to in influence people socially and economically until the influence of those people begin to legislate certain laws that become like a walled city and then those spirits become empowered behind the confines of those spiritual laws or walled cities so that they stay unchallenged. For example, same-sex marriage. It's a law now in our land. You can get married legally with the same sex. Y'all ain't got to say amen. I'm coming down this road. Just because it's legal don't make it right. And part of the problem with the church is we agree with laws. Even though they're legal, they might not be right. And the problem with the church is we start agreeing with the world's culture rather than being a counterculture and say, we're going to put something else into the atmosphere. We're going to put something else into the environment and begin to change it for the glory of God. So but these spirits hide behind these laws that they have influenced leaders to legislate. Abortion. Huh? Abortion is legalized. Wouldn't it be awesome in 2020 it could get overturned? Huh? But they hide behind the very laws that they influence the leaders to legislate and make it law because they do not like to be disturbed. 
They do not like to be challenged. They do not like to be messed with. When Jesus walked into the synagogue, a spirit rose up out of the man and says, have you come to torment us before our time? Spirits recognize authority. Spirits recognize power. And when the church begins to understand, there's some power in the name of Jesus. We can push something back into the culture, and it says that we will not give in to the demands of the culture that we're called to change. A little bit more monitor, guys. I'm just struggling up here. So we got same-sex laws, abortion laws. We're fighting now with freedom of religion. Uh, separation of church and state. The courts have removed God from our governments. It has removed God from our schools. And it's become like a walled city. No entity in America has done more damage to this nation, more destruction than the Supreme Courts. There's no other entity on this planet that has done more damage to American civilization than the Supreme Court. How important is the Supreme Court? Depends on who you vote for. Because they... It's the president that appoints the justices. So if you want a land without God, <laughs> it's getting tight in here. And this ain't a political message. This ain't nothing about y'all voting. I'm going to get to where I'm going in a minute. I'm just saying the Supreme Court justices that we have that vote against God, they're there because we put them there. We put them there because of the people that we voted for and we empowered because every spirit seeks expression in the material world. And now we got laws that they hide behind. Now that's why I'm trying to say sooner or later there has to be a mandate that comes upon the church that says I'm not just going to get my little religious fix on so that I can punch in my clock and say I went to church today. There has to come a lifestyle. There has to become a behavior. There has to become a reason of why I exist on this planet. And it's not to agree with the current culture, but it's to raise up a standard against it so that the powers of God can be manifested through the life of the church. Push on somebody, tell them it's your time now. It's your time. It's your time. It's your time. See, now we have principalities and that, that are hiding and our laws are in place. And now they have license to do what they want to do. And the level of challenge is reduced now because these spirits are hiding and nobody can touch them. Now you have principalities and powers that govern municipalities that affects the climate. And the only way, I'm going to get to where I'm going, <laughs> the only way to dislodge an entrenched principality is for the church to understand the power of unity and agreement. And when the church begins to understand the power of unity and agreement, then we can begin to leverage our faith into something that begins to shape culture to a greater good and not just leave it up to whatever. And then together, out of that spirit of agreement, the spirit of unity, we create a sustained intensity in the spirit that refuses to accept the status quo until the climate begins to reflect what heaven wants to do. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
when the climate then becomes conducive for the activity of God. Let me give you a practical example. When you came in here, don't matter what your feelings were feeling, when you came in here, if you could put a praise into the atmosphere, you begin to affect the climate. When you come in here, this, this is something we have to keep saying all the time because people come in here with all kinds of stuff. You were, you were wrestling with demons last night, maybe over the weekend, had a bad day at work, whatever. We bring all that with us. But when you come up in here, you got to understand we have the ability to affect the climate that makes the activity of God accessible so that the power of God can manifest. That's why I, I always look around me. I know I don't do it here because I'm on the front row, but I look around me. I see who's going to be on my row because this is a praising row right here. This is where we're going to praise God. You can't sit there with your arms folded act like you don't care. That's why you got a bad climate over your life because sooner or later you have to realize it's not about what I can do but it's what he can do through me when I begin to shift the climate for a greater good hallelujah so so we got all this that's going on and Jesus said I'm gonna, I'm gonna preach this thing in a minute just let me get there Jesus said when that spirit goes out of a man it's seeking rest and when it does not find it watch this now it comes back to the house. It comes back to the structure from which it went out, and it brings seven deadlier spirits, seven more wicked spirits than it was the first time. And he says, and so it will be with this generation. He's talking about a man, but now the man becomes a generation because every generation has a time. And my point is, we need to learn how to cultivate the flow of the Spirit in our generation because there is a violent assault with evil spirits more wicked than the first. We're not just dealing with a wicked spirit. We got seven more wicked spirits that have come in because the door has been opened. The laws have been made. The justices have been declared. So now we got more wicked spirits. And the last thing you need to do is be quiet. The last thing you need to do is roll over and go with the flow. Sooner or later, you got to put your foot down and say, I am here because God has a plan for my generation. Sooner or later, you got to have some pushback inside of you. Jesus said, when it goes out, it will return to the same house from which it left. In other words, you may have fought one battle, but you better get ready, and you better keep yourself fortified because they're coming back. Well, I, I, I just, I don't want all that fighting. Listen, you better get off the team now. Because the moment you signed up to become a believer, there's a big old bullseye on your back. And the enemy is coming after you with everything he's got. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And sooner or later, you got to realize, I'm in a fight. But the weapons of my warfare, they are not carnal. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of every stronghold. See, the way that this thing begins to work generationally is that when a person dies, watch this now, that spirit does not die with that person. It's not going back to that house of the person that died. That house is gone. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Generationally, spirits get attached to a household. They get attached to a structure. They get attached to an order. 
It's not just a house. It's a household. It's called a familiar spirit. The Spanish word is familia, which means family, which is the same word for familiar spirit. That is a familiar spirit with you. It's in your family. And the structure over your life and the words have framed the way you believe something. It's a familiar spirit. Just because somebody in your lineage died that was an alcoholic, that spirit didn't die. It's running through the generations of the veins of your family lineage because a door was opened to it. And sooner or later, there has to be somebody in the family that says, I'm drawing the bloodline right here. This is as far as the curse gets to come. I'm not going to die before my time. I'm not going to be a drunk. I'm not going to be a drug addict. I'm not going to live in poverty. I'm not going to live under the oppression. I'm drawing a bloodline, and I'm staking my claim to the promises of God, and I'm letting every principality know. I'm letting every power know. And I'm not saying it because I'm scared. I'm saying it because I want the devil to hear that this means war over my family this means war over my children and you cannot take what God has blessed me with you can't have it soon sooner or later there's got to be this rising up in the church I am so tired of looking at the church in America being weak kneed and lethargic and barely getting along when God has empowered us with heaven's glory to take the claim of the land and say we are driving the agenda of the kingdom if a person is raised in an unclean environment either because of ignorance, rebellion Prejudice, anger, addictions, racism, immorality, poverty, whatever it may be. It bothers me when Christians carry anger, rebellion, prejudice, racism. These things get framed into the psyche of our mind through by what others have said or done in the upbringing of our familia because it's familiar spirits. You ever had anybody say, you act just like your daddy? Huh? You may not have ever met him. You act just like him. <laughs> to me, that would be a compliment because I'm proud of my daddy. You act just like your old uncle. Oh, wine, old drinking. It's a familiar spirit. They may, been, they, they may have been dead for 25 years. But it came back to a household, not a house. And when it came back, it didn't come back by itself. It brought seven more spirits more wicked than itself. You want to know why this generation is jacked up the way it is? 
it ain't just one demon that they got rid of. They've opened up the door now where they got seven more wicked spirits that's coming in. And listen, the only antidote to this generation is not a better politician. It's not a more somebody in the office. The answer to this generation is an on-fire, Bible-believing, Holy Ghost-filled people that understand their place in the authority of God, and they begin to reshape their families. They begin to reform their families so that what was ever in my bloodline ahead of me does not matriculate down into my bloodline, but it stops here, and my children will be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. There may have been everybody in my family got a divorce for the last 100 years, but not in my family. I stop the spirit of divorce. You may have people in your family that died of cancer, but not in my family. We stop the spirit of cancer in the name of Jesus. Oh, you got to have a generation that begins to rise and say, it's time, it's time, it's time. I cannot just keep sitting back and taking the punches. I've got to get back up on my feet. I've got to come out of a quarantine lifestyle. I'm preaching better than you're shouting, but I won't keep working. When there's no resistance in that area, that spirit keeps coming back. And it gets handed down. What you don't conquer in your lifetime, your kids will have to deal with. Lying, perverted, jacked up. <laughs> Somebody said, man, he's talking all over, he's all in your mail today. I don't know if he's talking about you. You got to deal with it. I'm trying to be nice, but we've got a weak church. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church in America. It's a weak church. Don't, don't dare preach the Bible. I know the Bible is supposed to offend the sinners, but now we got the word offending saints. And when you preach the truth, the truth is so foreign it sounds like a lie. When you stand and you preach truth, people look at it like you lost your mind. Like, like when I say, okay, there's laws that protect gay marriages. Are you against gay marriages? Absolutely. You know why I'm against it? Because God's against it. Y'all ain't got to clap. Y'all ain't got to say it. You know why I'm against abortion? Because God loves the sanctity of life. has nothing to do with your preference, your choice, your demeanor, your attitude, your theory, your thought process. It's against the word. If it's against the word of God, then I'm against it. Does that take away from me loving people in their sin, loving people in their mess? No. We reach harder. We go further. We love more. But it doesn't take away the consequences of your actions. There has to be a body. I'm just trying to help our church. We can't help everybody. But there has to be a body. Let me just pick on the Glaze region. There has to be a standard in the Glaze region. This, re this whole region is full of religion. It's a religious spirit. Oh, we can go to church a while once every four weeks. Are you kidding me? You are fighting seven more spirits, more wicked than the first, and you out there fishing. You just taking a day off. Are you kidding me? Take a day off work. Try that. See how your boss likes it. Got about four people clapping. The rest of y'all say, oh, God, oh, I can't wait till 12 o'clock. I'm out of here. 
things are, it's a battle. And it becomes sick, 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 a cycle. <laughs> Fighting the same thing. <laughs> Cyclical. 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 It's a battle. Fighting the same problem over and over. Every time Israel would plant in the days of Midian, they would, they would plow the field, they would prep the field, they would plant the field, they would water their seed, and then right at the harvest time, the Midianites would come in year after year and raid their harvest. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of me working my garden. I'm tired of me working my promise year after year, and about the time I'm ready to receive what I have been laboring over, the enemy comes in and he starts stealing. That's called a reciprocal paddle. Sooner or later, you got to be like the children of Israel, and you've got to begin to cry out to God, and you got to say, I am tired of living in caves. I'm tired of living beneath the privilege of a king's kid. Yeah. Woo, I feel like preaching now. Sooner or later, it's got to be something inside of you that says, I ain't going to put up with it. Ain't gonna put, listen, and you can't, listen, I can't control your family, you can't control mine, but I can control my family. You got a voice in your family. You got a voice over your children. Trying to, trying to normalize. That's what the demons want. They want everything to be normalized. Because they, they, don't, they don't go challenged. Look what's coming down the pipe. Pedophilia. You know why it's so popular now? You know why they're trying to normalize it? Because they want to make it legal. Y'all ain't got to say amen. That's where it's going. You know why they want to make it legal? Because there are high profile actors. And there are high profile politicians that has participated in pedophilia. And once it becomes legal, then you can't touch them. But as long as it remains out there unchecked. But that's why they're driving it. That's why they're normalizing it. That's why they're making excuses for people who have the problem. It is a problem. It's called sin. And you cannot eradicate it with therapy. It comes through the blood. We just keep normalizing everything that God calls sin. Next thing you know, you have a culture in chaos. You have a culture that's stumbling and fumbling. And I get the culture. I'm not, I'm not against the culture. You can't be against it if you're going to try to win it. I'm against a lukewarm, lethargic, non-believing church that says, well, let's just go with the flow. <laughs> Lord, help us, Holy Ghost. Somebody said, I didn't sign up for all this today. This will be on the screen for you. Everybody is a product of the territory or the environment that they grew up in, or that you've lived in for an extended amount of time. You're a product of your environment. The way you think is because somebody taught you to think that way. Your school of thought was birthed in you by somebody else's voice. And it's going to be can't run from it. It's a whole upheaval of racial tension. People are racist because they were taught to be racist. You ain't born with a racist gene in your body. You were taught to hate. 
Now, let me just qualify this because this goes across. Listen, I don't believe that America is racist. I believe America has racism in it. Let me tell you, it ain't all white people. There's some white racists, and there's some black racists, and there's some Hispanic racists. And don't just say, well, it's just a white. No, it ain't just a white people. It's every, everybody's got that in. You can just go down your family tree. Look at some of your kin folks and say, yeah, they racist. They are. But then we just start, we just start picking and choosing, and then we make it a battle. We make it a battle, and then the church loses its agreement. The church loses its unity. Listen, that's what I'm saying. You, you, you can't agree over politics. You got to agree over the word. Politics will shift as the culture shifts. Politics are going to change as the culture changes. But when you begin to agree on the word, then the church becomes a force that unites together and we stand true. And one by one, we pull people out of the darkness into the realm of God's marvelous light. Woo. Let me show you something here. Every territory has certain dominant thought patterns that prevail in it. Every territory has certain atmospheres that are sustained by the attitudes of those entrenched spirits in those areas. So what God has to do is what he did in Gideon's day. God has to look for a people, a remnant in that territory that will embrace a different revelation. And says we are not going to march to the drumbeat of what the mob rule is. We're not going to march to the drumbeat where everybody's going. We're not going to go with the flow of society. There has to be a remnant of people that begins to put their foot down. Now, this is what nobody likes. Nobody likes it. I get it. But you have to be willing to be persecuted for your faith. And when you lived in America like we have for so long, we don't know what persecution of our faith looks like. But until America, the American church begins to realize, when I put my foot down, there's going to be people that's not going to go with me. There's going to be people that's not going to take sides with me. You might even get unfriended on Facebook. You know what you do? You keep right on trolling. You just keep right on moving. You don't let it offend you. You don't let it bother you because I'm not sticking up for your ideology. I'm not sticking up for the Democrats or the Republicans. I am fighting for the justice of God's word to prevail in every human life. Every life. So, so now, oh, Lord, it's, is that clock right? Gideon, somewhere down the road, we're getting to you. It does the kingdom, watch this, it does the kingdom no good to have a church on every corner of a city with no influence. No influence, no power, and no authority. It does the city no good. Our city's full of churches, and some of them, praise God, and, and, and I know some of those pastors personally, and they are in the trenches every day, gutting it out. And I praise God for men and women like that. But any church that sides with the culture is out of order. 
Y'all ain't got to say nothing. You cannot change a territory when the, when the mentality of those churches remain unchanged and you stay in agreement with the existing powers that are in the land. Let me show you something. Let me just show you what the Bible says. Look with me in uh, Timothy. I don't, guys, in the back, I don't know if I gave you this scripture or not. I was working this late this morning. Maybe I did. First Timothy chapter 4. Maybe I'll give it to you. First Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith. Is that not happening? Why are they falling away? Because they're paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. That word seared, a seared conscience, it literally means your spirit man has been tarnished and perverted. And instead of being led by the spirit, you're led by your flesh. Instead of being led by the Holy Spirit, you're led by your flesh. And what happens is you become desensitized and you render everything ineffective. A person with a seared conscience cannot tell the difference between what is right and wrong. They're unable to discern between what is good and what is evil because their spirit man is dead to the things of God. You think about that for a moment. We got churches in America whose conscience have been seared because they have listened to the doctrines of demons and they have no power and no authority. I'm trying to say it because this stuff gets published and I get, I get the backlash. I know, I get it all the time. But you tell me, here in America, when the laws of our land gives us a right to gather, and you got a government that says we'll fine you, and then the churches comply. I know, I, I got guys that I know, listen, I, I know, I know, I'm just saying, sooner or later, Israel, you can't let Midian keep coming in and taking what God is trying to give you. Sooner or later, you got to have a pushback. You say, well, it's not safe to gather. Are you kidding me? Have you been drinking the Kool-Aid this long that you think that COVID is more dangerous than any other disease we've ever had? And, and, and just to prove my point, just to let you know how seared our conscience has become, they let, they, let, they, they let lawlessness run in the streets together and don't say a word about that. But you let a church try to gather together and worship God. They're going to fine you. They're going to put you in jail. They're going to cut your utilities off. I'm just trying to tell you, you have to understand, you're up against a spirit that's more wicked than the first that left. But when you have been seared in your conscience, 
You don't know what's right or wrong. You don't know what's evil. You don't know what's good. You just go along with the punches. Woo. Oh, somebody said, man, I did not wake up for all this today. There's a, uh, let, me, let me see if I can put it to you this way. You can't influence a territory when the church continues to think fundamentally as those outside the church. There has to be a distinction. I know you're used to partying with your friends. But when you got saved, we're going to give you about four months to break it. But you've been saved now for 10 years, and you're still dropping it like it's hot. <laughs> when you got saved, you came into the kingdom of God. You used to drink it up with your buddies. Notice it got quiet. Right Can't wait. Friday night, tiki bar. Here I come. We're going to give you about four months to break it. That's, that's my law. That ain't God's law. I'm just saying, in four months, you ought to have something going on in your life. Should have it about the day after you say, I do to Jesus. Ought to be such a reformation in your life that it makes you say no to every sin, every devil, every power that comes against your life. You know why it keeps coming around? Because you keep entertaining it. You know why it keeps haunting you? Because you keep opening up the door. You keep letting Midian come up in there and steal and kill and rob things from you when you ought to know how to shut the door. <laughs> Got born again. Had a had a pornography problem. You know what? Don't, don't say it. You, you identify yourself. Don't say it. Just stay where you're at. It used to be, by reason of my own knowledge, they told me you could buy magazines. I never bought one. That's how you had to get pornography. Or you had to go to a store and rent a video. You had the risk. Smart people don't do it in town. They go out of town. Nobody knows me. That spirit got kicked out of your family lineage when you said, I do to Jesus. But you opened up the door because you can get it on your phone. And you can look at whatever you want in the privacy of your own home where nobody else around. And you have just brought in seven more spirits that are more wicked than the first that got kicked out because you opened the door. Somebody shout amen. Because you didn't fortify what you kicked out. It's the problem with the church. We don't fortify our life in Christ. We just roll with the punches. 
we do more study on everything but God. I could say, hey, you know what? Well, I feel led. God wants to do something in this place tonight, Sunday night. Let's just come back on the cup. Oh, I can't. I just got, you know, I got, you know, you know I got to get my kids ready for school, you know. It just. And we wonder why God ain't moving like he wants to in America because we're way too busy for him. <laughs> Lord, help me. See, when your values and your ethics and your worldview are the same as the world that you've been called out from, you can't go back and change it. There has to be a distinction. I got to end now. It's 12 o'clock. We'll get to Gideon next week maybe. Why is the American church in a struggle? Why is there so much, so much mixture and compromise? How is it that we can have preachers that can get drunk and cuss? And people still follow them. Like a lamb led to the slaughter. How is it that we can have Holy Ghost filled people? in cities and towns and places and trust God to get us to heaven but can't trust God enough to keep us COVID free. I'm trying to help this church because this house has a mandate in this region not to look like anything that we have been delivered from. problem is, and I'll close with this. Pastor Porter, you guys can come on if you don't mind. If the worship team wants to come, that'd be great. The problem has been we've had a generation of Christians that have been taught cosmetic Christianity with Pee Wee Herman preachers that have built cotton candy churches that just gathered together to reiterate the dominant belief system that they were called out of. If I had time to work it out, and I will next week, when Gideon, the children of Israel, after that seven years of just the enemy coming in, the Bible says they came in like the locusts. There were so many to devour the land and to devastate the armies of Israel. It wasn't until the children of Israel, the Bible says, begin to cry out to God. Your answer's not going to come from anybody else. Until there comes a holy cry in the people of God and begin to cry back out to God, the land will stay devastated. The land will stay in unrest. Because the church is the only legalized institution on the planet with authority to overthrow evil. It's the only legalized institution. And, and, and this is so crazy to me. And again, 
when you have churches that are people in churches, I'm not talking about people in churches that are just making it a battle over things that we should agree on together. See, Gideon, Gideon even understood it because he started out with 32,000 men. God whittled him down to 300. Because Gideon was beginning to get a revelation. God can do more with an organized few than a disorganized mob. God can do more. And, and, and I look around this room, and, and, and I know we're, we're not operating at full capacity because not everybody's back yet. But, but there's enough people in this room. Oh, Lord, if we just got on the same page for a day. Man, if we just begin to put, put our prayer in the same focus for a day, if we begin to declare and shout and decree the same thing at the same time in the same day, you'd be amazed what would di get dislodged in the realm of the Spirit. See, we, we're, li we're living in a generation, and, and you don't have to go far to look at it. It's, it it's, it's, I got some of them, you know, we got them in our families. It's, it's a jacked up people. And the answer to their life is Jesus Christ. The answer to our nation is Jesus Christ. And this is what Lou Engle said. This will be on the screen. He said, there comes a moment in time when doors in time open by which great things can take place. All over the world, things are changing. Time is shifting all over the world. Doors are being opened. And I just felt this morning, i got a whole lot more to work with. Let me stop right here. There's some people in this room today. you got to make a decision. And you say, well, I made a decision for my life. I made a decision you got to make a decision for the generations that are coming after you. I'm not, saying, I'm not talking about a decision to be born again. That, that could be it. But, but I'm talking about a decision that I'm tired of living in a cave. I'm tired of living in hewed out mountains. I'm tired of living in frustration and limitations. When God, Jehovah God, lives on the inside of me, the greater one lives on the inside of me, and he's given me power over every power of the enemy. And I just can't keep living like this. Every generation has a time. Every generation has a time. Every generation has a time. What happens in the next few years in America in the church world is going to determine what the future of the church is going to look like. This is a radical call today because I'm calling for some sold-out believers. I'm calling for people, listen, you say, well, you know, my family, they won't agree with me, they won't, listen, you better, you better, you better cross that line so you can reach back and drag your families across that line. Come on, stand to your feet all over the building, we're going to pray. Then we're going to go.
can't allow the voice of God to be reduced. All over this building, I'm just going to make this, we're just going to pray. I don't, I don't know how else to do it other than giving you a chance to respond. The enemy is coming after you with everything he's got, and he's relentless. He's been doing it for thousands of years. He knows every strategy. He knows every plan over your life. He knows, he, not, I'm not saying he knows your future, but he definitely knows your past. And he uses your past to block your future. He keeps bringing up things that didn't work, should have worked, didn't happen. And he blocks your future. This is a radical call. It's going to be happy. It's going to be good. It's a radical call. It's not for me. It's before the Lord. How many would just say in this room right here, right now, that I am tired of what I've been going through. I'm tired of the cave, the darkness, the strategies of the enemy over my life, and I'm ready for a change. Throw your hand up right there where you are. Just throw it up. Throw it up. Now, on the count of three, those that got your hands up, I'm not going to give you else, nobody else another chance. You got your hands up on the count of three. I want you to come to this altar because we're going to pray and we're going to break the power of Midian. One, two, three. You need to be moving right now. Come on. We're going to be moving. Come on, Pastor Porter. We're going to break the power of Midian right here. Come on, come. Ready to break it today in the name of Jesus. Right now, and right now is the moment. Today is the day. that says the best time to start was a decade ago the next best time to start is right now I may have missed it in my past but I'm not going to miss it right now the Bible says when, when the children of Israel begin to cry out when they begin to cry out to God when they begin to lift their voice back to God when they begin to turn their attention their focus back on the things of God. God said, I'm going to come in, and I'm going to come in so strong that you will defeat Midian as, Midian as one man, as one army, as one person, but I'm going to come in, and I'm going to come on you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to give you the ability, and what has been devastated, what has been destroyed, what has been taken, God said, I'll come in, and I'll break the power of the oppressor off of your life. So I'm going to give us about 30 seconds. I need everybody at the altar to just lift your voice and begin to cry out. God, I'm crying out. I've done all I know to do. I've tried this problem. I've tried this program. i tried it this way. i tried it that way. And nothing seemed to work. But I'm putting my attention. Come on. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, we're going to break the power. We're going to break the stronghold. We're going to break the grip. 
We're going to break the lies. We're going to break the power of Midian. We're going to break the struggle. In the name of Jesus, I curse it at his roots. I break its grip off of your life today. In the name of Jesus, I come against every lie. I come against every tactic. I come against every spirit that has tried to derail your faith. I break its power. Midian will be broken off of you today. The spirit will be broken out of your life today. God, we pray now. Come on, we need to pray. Come on, ask the Holy Ghost to come. Break today. I break it now. I break it now. Suicidal spirits. I break it now. In the name of Jesus. Compromising spirits. I break it now. In the name of Jesus. Spirit of lack. Spirit of worry. Spirit of distrust. We break it now. like your world's been snatched out from under you? How do you stay in the battle when you feel like you don't have no strength even to get out of it? I told my wife yesterday, I'm still in a phase in my life right here with the death of my dad. I'm still being healed. It's just been one death after another in our family 
this year. About the time we catch our breath, somebody else has died. From January till now, there's three deaths in our family, personal deaths, people that are close. Moms and dads, and an aunt that was like a second mom. How do you catch your breath in the midst of that? COVID-19. For me as a pastor, people spread out in the church. Finances down. How do you keep the doors open? How do you keep ministry moving? How do you connect with people that are not even here? Then the civil unrest, just the, the, the pressure of societies. How do you get wind back in you? I told Karen yesterday, I said, it, it feels different for me. This is the first time in 20 years my dad's not sitting back there while I preach. It's the first time in 20 years. He's been there every time I preach. It's different. The battle's real. But God is powerful. And it would be easy to go hide in a hole. Lay up in a cave and say it ain't worth it. That would be the easy thing to do. But the hardest thing is when you can say, God, I'm going to trust you when I can't even trace you right now. When nothing makes sense in my world right now. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with every ounce a being that I have. And my wife can attest, I'm not trying to make myself out to be some super whatever, but I, I, she, that for the first time in my life that I know of, I had to be held, broken. My wife would have to hold me through the night, rebuke demons out of my mind, pray over me through the night, because everything in my world was snatched out how do you get back up how do you stay in the fight you just have to know it's not about you it's not about me but it's about the God that lives in us and the moment you cry back out to him drugs won't fix it Alcohol won't fix it. It'd be a, it could be a sedative for a couple hours. Sex won't make it work. You got to draw from something that's more powerful than what you're in. Until the wind of God begins to blow. I talked to one of my, a real good friend of mine the other day. He's a black brother, black preacher. And I said, will you just pray? I just want, I want you to pray over me because I, I, don't, I don't want what's going on in our world to affect our city and our church. I don't want racism. I don't want prejudice. I don't want and I know it's hard because every time I grab a microphone, because we live in a politicized world, everything I say gets politicized. I feel that. I feel the judgment. I feel the condemnation. People start texting other people and say, did you hear what he said? Can you believe he said that? No, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe we've been in a battle this long, fighting together for this long, and you still don't trust what God is doing. 
and all this stuff. It's just all of it. It's just all of it. And I just want to pray over us today because I feel like there's somebody here. You feel like you are battle-worn and torn. It's been eight months of hell. It's been eight months of battle after battle. And you can't even catch your breath. You're like Job. About the time you catch your breath, there comes another report of something bad. It just keeps coming in wave after wave. But I believe the Holy Spirit today is coming. He's answering the cry of his people. And that spirit that's over your life is going to be broken. The same God that refreshed, the same God that is healing me will refresh and heal you. Just because I hold a microphone don't mean I'm exempt. I have to do what everybody in this room does. When I'm in a struggle, I have to go back to what I know. I have to quote the word. I have to rehearse the word to myself. You ever text yourself? Chuck Pelham, you better get up. In the name of Jesus. Do whatever it takes. there's some around you and some coming behind you that need your breakthrough. They need your deliverance. Come on, will you just lift your hands right where you are? Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to go where I can't go. Say what I can't say. Be what I can never be. Come into the depths of people's hearts right now. Lord, as our hearts are yielded, we're yielded to the things of God. And God, I'm praying for that person in here today that's just struggling with the ability to stand and fight. God, that you would begin to breathe fresh life back into them. Begin to breathe fresh strength back over their life. Begin to move them out of the place of darkness and despair. Move them to a place where the light of your glory begins to empower them for the next move of their life. Empower them for the next step that they're about to take. And God, I come against every lying spirit. We've been lied to enough. We've been deceived long enough. I come against every lying spirit over your life today. I break the lies. I break the intimidating spirit that has come against you to try to swallow you and hold you down and limit you. Limit the progress. Lord, in the name of Jesus, come on, I feel there's victory coming right there. There's victory coming right there. You can't stay. You can't stay. Every generation has a time. This is your time. This is your time. You're breaking it right now. You're breaking it right now. You're breaking it right now. Come on, just cry it out. Just say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for healing. I thank you for breakthrough. I thank you for deliverance. I thank you for a fresh wave of your wind. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Now, I know this is a crazy prayer, but I heard the Lord say, I'm going to put some joy back in your heart. I'm going to put some joy back in your spirit. You're going to laugh again. 
You're going to laugh again. You're going to shout again. You're going to run again. There's a deep level of joy that's about to well up inside of you, a joy that's uncontainable. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. 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 You're going to laugh. You're going to have fun. You're going to enjoy your life. You're going to enjoy the things of God. Hallelujah. The joy is taking away the pressure. The joy is taking away the pressure off of your life. You've been under too much pressure, too much strain. But joy, joy, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I stir that up. I stir it over the people of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody just needs to laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Lord, we laugh at the devil. We laugh at the devil. Ha, ha, ha. Hey, hey. Hey. prophesied to you today that this house is going to become a sign and a wonder. Yes. People are going to look at this house and they're going to say, how in the world? How does that church do it? How do they keep going? How do they keep making it? We're over here struggling. We're over here falling apart, but the church is moving. The church is being strong. You know, in the midst of all this pandemic and offerings are down as low as they've ever been, we're still putting a portable in out there paying for. You know why? Because the school's growing. The school's growing. You gotta have more space. Wouldn't it be something if I stood up here one weekend and said, hey, you know what? We're gonna go ahead and build that church. Yeah. We're gonna build that church. God didn't give us the vision for it, for us to hide in caves and never be done. Right. Hallelujah. Because people are coming. Because this church is going to be a sign and a wonder. People are going to wonder how that happened. 
because we serve a miracle-working God. Gideon defeated Midian with 300 men. And the Bible says they came in like the locusts. One theologian says there's over 135,000 of them. Gideon did it with 300. Not because they killed, th not because they killed 135,000. It's because the Bible says when they begin to advance, the enemy begin to turn on each other. Isn't it just like God to throw confusion in the devil's camp? I speak that over somebody here today. God's about to throw confusion over the enemy's camp that's kept you bogged down. That becomes a sign and a wonder. Father, I speak a blessing over your people today. Lord, we are a radical generation, and we're never going to be the same. Our time has come, and we're pressing into the things of God at a higher dimension. Lord, we're going, we're going further into the things of God. It's not about hype. It's not about show. It's about the relationship that runs deep in our veins with, a, with an almighty God cares deeply for us in every situation. Lord, I speak a blessing over your people. Bless them coming in and bless them going out. Let everything that their hands touch cause it to prosper. Be blessed and be empowered. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Amen. We love you. Tuesday night is our prayer time together from 6 to 7 if you can make it. We love you. Have a